1804, John Bell and his family moved to Robertson County, Tennessee, where they purchased 320 acres of farmland along the Red River. They hoped that the area would be a perfect place to raise the family. And it was at first. But eventually things changed. The family began to experience things that would change their lives forever. The dark history has led this to be known as one of the oldest and most famous hauntings in the country. But who or what is it that's haunting the Bell family farm? This is the Bell Witch Haunting. I'm Ashton and welcome to the Haunted Corner. Welcome back to the Haunted Corner. Happy Thursday. It's time for another spooky story. And this one is super wild. It also has a splash of true crime. This is the haunting of the Bell Witch and the Bell Witch Cave. This story has been featured on all of the ghost shows, all the ghost hunter shows, ghost adventures, which is where I first heard about it. I've since dug deeper into the history, and I'm excited to share with you what I've found. So let's get into it. The history of the Bell Witch Haunting dates back over 200 years, but the legends continue to this day. The story begins in 1804 when John Bell first purchased the property along the Red River near an area that is now known as Adams, Tennessee. He moved his family there that same year, including his wife, Lucy, and their children, Jesse, Drury, John Jr., Benjamin, Esther, Zadik, Betsy, Richard, and Joe. During this time, farmers would buy and sell enslaved people to help run their farms and their land, and John Bell was no different. He was known as one of the wealthier farmers in the area, and it's said that he enslaved many people who kept the farm running. The area at the time was very religious, and the family attended Red River Church, where John was an elder. The family was really settling in, and they lived peacefully for about 13 years. But many strange things began to occur, which would change the family in more than one way. Things began to happen that the family just couldn't explain. In 1817, the first strange sightings began. The family, as well as the people who were enslaved by the family, began reporting seeing strange animals walking around the property. John Bell claimed to see a dog-like creature on one occasion, and when he fired at it, the creature disappeared right before his eyes. One sighting described a creature that had the body of a black dog and the head of a rabbit with glowing red eyes. There was also a report of a large bird sitting on a fence. Now, one of the enslaved men named Dean, who had apparently been with the family since John and Lucy were married, reported being followed by a large black dog when he would go to visit his wife. The family members were all sharing similar experiences, and they couldn't explain it. Eventually, they began hearing what sounded like rocks hitting the windows, And when they would go to investigate, no one was there. 
They also reported seeing balls of lights near the tree line. And the people would watch as the lights would move closer and closer to the house, but would never actually reach the property. The strange experiences eventually began to occur inside the house as well. The family, as well as the people who were enslaved by the family, began to hear weird sounds inside the house, including knocking on doors and walls, the sounds of change dragging throughout the house. They'd also hear what sounded like gasping and gulping, as well as the sound of rats or some kind of animal gnawing on their beds as they tried to sleep. So basically, my worst nightmare. They would wake up and find no evidence of any gnawing or animals inside the house. The house was even said to violently shake at times, and some of the enslaved people reported being locked inside rooms with no reason at all, um, and they couldn't get out. Just so many strange things going on. But what started as relatively minor paranormal events would eventually turn into something much more sinister. The family began to hear the voice of a woman and around this time John Bell began experiencing a paralysis in his mouth. Things really began to escalate to the point where sheets were being pulled off the beds and the entity began physically attacking the children, more specifically the youngest daughter Betsy. Betsy was pinched, slapped, stuck with pins and scratched by the unseen force. Her cheeks would appear to be swollen when she woke up in the morning, and it seemed like the spirit was strangely possessive over Betsy. So possessive that when Betsy became engaged to a man named Joshua Gardner, the paranormal activity really ramped up, and eventually Betsy was forced to call off her engagement. The entity seemed to be fond of John's wife, Lucy, however, even calling her, quote, the most perfect woman to walk the earth, end quote. The spirit even took care of her one day when, or one time when she was bedridden with an illness and nursed her back to health. The Bells began to believe that the entity haunting the family was a witch, and she was not fond of John Bell or his daughter Betsy. They weren't super open with people about what was going on. They were kind of brushing it under the rug, pretending like it's not happening, but eventually they knew they needed some help. So they reached out to some of their neighbors, James Johnson and his wife, and after agreeing to stay the night at the house one night, the paranormal activity did not stop. If anything, it was worse that night than it had been previously. And after that night, James wanted to put together a group to help the Bell family get rid of their problem. Pretty soon, though, word spread about what was going on and all the creepy things that were happening. And people were super interested. They began showing up at the house, and it was a revolving door of spooky peeps like myself who just wanted to see what was up. <laughs> That's the thing. People always ask, you know, when did people become so fascinated with true crime and paranormal stuff? We literally always have been, you guys. <laughs> this is the 1800s. It's always been a source of intrigue, I promise you. So everyone and their mom wanted to check out the haunting at the Bell property, and they were allowed to investigate, which is a very loose term. They stood in the kitchen and asked the spirit questions, to which they would receive responses via knocks, taps, or scratches. And eventually, the knocks turned into groans, and the groans turned into whispers. The spirit eventually said, quote, I am a spirit who is buried in the woods. 
I was once very happy, but I've been disturbed. I've come to kill John Bell, end quote. The spirit was said to thrive off of the attention, getting louder and more aggressive when it was being responded to. It should also be noted that there were several reported Native American graves on the property. And one time when the Bell family was plowing their fields, they discovered a human jawbone, and it's said that this is when the paranormal activity began. So were these the bones of the Bell Witch that were disturbed as she described? On another night, one of the family friends named Miles was kind of taunting the witch by claiming he was too big and powerful to be affected by the haunting. So he decided to stay overnight, but the Bell family found him running around the house terrified in the middle of the night before he left and never returned to the property. So things were a little bit spicy. The bell haunting was so infamous it attracted people from all over, including, at one time, President Andrew Jackson, who attempted to travel to Red River to investigate the paranormal rumors. Before he could even arrive, though, President Jackson and the men he was traveling with were threatened by an unseen spirit, and as they traveled, one of the wheels of their wagon became stuck. John Adams exclaimed, quote, by the eternal boys, it is the witch, end quote. At that point, all of the men heard a voice say, quote, all right, General, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight, end quote. And that night, the entity came to them again, and one of the travelers was struck by invisible force. Without hesitation, they turned around and went back to Nashville. Like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> So the paranormal events were just getting more and more intense. It had been several years of escalating hauntings until one day things took a deadly turn. John Bell, like I mentioned, was experiencing weird symptoms with his mouth and face. He was having numbness in his mouth and difficulty swallowing. One time he was walking to the hog pen with one of his sons when he fell to the ground and began convulsing. After this event, John never left the house again. Not long later, in December of 1820, John Bell was found unconscious in his bed, and the next day, he died. The family was, of course, distraught, but the sadness and dread turned to confusion when John Bell Jr. noticed a dark liquid next to the bed and heard the sound of laughing coming from somewhere he couldn't see. The family called a doctor named Dr. Hobson, who came to the house quickly. He smelled the vial of liquid next to the bed, but couldn't determine what it was. The Bell family claims that the Bell witch took credit for John Bell's death by poisoning him. John Jr. was understandably angry at this point, and he threw the vial into the fire, where it immediately burst into a large blue flame. The Bell Witch would continue to mock the family and John Bell by laughing and singing at his funeral. Now, following the funeral, for the first time in over three years, there was a sense of calm and peace around the property. And the Bell family thought that maybe the Bell Witch had finally moved on after killing John. Betsy eventually married one of her former teachers and moved out of state. Things were pretty quiet until 1828 when John Bell Jr. received a visit from the Bell Witch. Before she vanished, she made a promise to return in 107 years to haunt the family once more. 
it said that when she was not tormenting the family on the property, she fled to a nearby cave, which is where the Bell Witch Cave got its name. After the visit in 1828, reports of other witches in nearby states were being attributed to the Bell Witch. The week of January 20th, 1890, hundreds of people were recorded to have visited a house two and a half miles east of Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as word spread of coal mysteriously falling from the ceiling in the family room. Another strange series of events was from Adams Station, Tennessee. At dusk on January 27, 1890, a man named Mr. Holloway reported watching two unknown women arrive at his home and dismount from their horses as he was feeding his cattle. When he returned to the house, the horses and the women were gone, and his wife reported seeing the women in the yard as well. That week, another man named Mr. Rowland attempted to place a sack of corn on his horse's back, and it fell off. He again tried to put the sack of corn on the horse's back several more times, but each time the sack fell off. One of his friends named Joe arrived and held onto the sack as Mr. Rowland mounted his horse. They witnessed the sack floating away for 20 yards where it settled down at the fence. And when they went to retrieve the sack, they heard a voice that said, quote, you won't touch the sack anymore, end quote. Now, some people believe that the poisoning of John Bell could have been caused by a person rather than a spirit. Arsenic poisoning was a thing at the time, and it was also pretty common for enslaved people to poison their enslavers in order to escape. Laws were being written against arsenic poisoning at the time, so it's definitely not out of the question that maybe one of the enslaved people who lived on the property took out their anger on John Bell. Another theory is that the Bell Witch is a neighbor named Kate Batts. It's said that John Bell had an argument with one of Kate's family members about the sale of an enslaved person, and it's theorized that Kate is the one responsible for the poisoning of John. Kate denied the claim, and there was no evidence to connect her to the poisoning, but I also read a report that Kate Batts was the niece of Lucy Bell. So, interesting. But with nothing to go on, people just confirmed in their minds that this was in fact a spirit or paranormal entity that caused John's, John's death. But was this a true paranormal event? Was this an arsenic poisoning or was it something else? John Bell's cause of death is still debated to this day. Located near where the Bell Farm once stood and near the old family cemetery where many of the Bells still rest, is what has become known as the Bell Witch Cave. Many people in Robertson County believe that when the witch fled, she fled to the sanctuary of the cave. According to my research, the cave is made out of two large chambers with tunnels leading to each. In the first room of the cave, there's a small tomb of a Native American girl who had died from a gunshot wound to the chest. Unfortunately, the tomb is now open and empty due to vandals. The former owner of the cave is a man named Bill Edens, and he reported that strange events still went on in the cave and near the home. The current owners, Chris and Walter Kirby, still open the, tour, the cave for tourists, and they too report that eerie events sometimes take place in the house and in the cave itself. 
Chris Kirby recalls several occasions when she and visitors in the cave have seen strange apparitions and have heard unexplained sounds coming from deep in the hidden corners of the cave. Strange figures have been reported in the cave and knocking sounds and poltergeist activity still takes place in the house. Psychics have claimed that multiple spirits haunt the cave and not just the Bell Witch. They also have claimed that there's a portal inside the cave, which is where a lot of the activity is coming from. Now, at one point, there was a report of a different, more compassionate side to the Bell Witch. According to the story, one day, a group of children were exploring the farm when they discovered the 500-foot-long cave. Curiosity got the better of them, and they went to investigate. While searching the cave, one of the children became stuck in a hole. The child began to panic and call out for help before a voice came along that said, quote, I'll get him out, end quote, as an invisible pair of hands pulled the boy out of the hole. The same voice then gave the children a lesson about safely exploring the caves before disappearing. The new owners, the Kirby's, claim that there have been several stories of people taking pictures and strange transparent apparitions would appear in the photos when they weren't in the cave at the time. Chris Kirby described a story that sent her and a friend named Candy fleeing from the cave. They were preparing to open the cave for tours and they were clearing out rocks when they heard the sounds of rocks being moved and scraped coming from deep inside the cave. When they heard the sound, the pair ran out of the cave and up the hill. It took a while, but eventually they returned, and this time they returned with Chris's dog named Partner. They couldn't find any evidence of a rock slide or anyone being in, in the cave, like any, any kind of evidence that would explain what they had heard earlier. Everything seemed okay until they got further into the cave. The dog had gotten a little ahead of them, and from around the corner, they heard him growl. As soon as they got closer, they noticed that he was in the attack position, snarling and barking at something that wasn't there. Oof. Now, on opening day at the cave, Chris was terrified of the previous encounters, but she put on a brave face nonetheless. One of the first tour groups was made up of four couples, including a woman who claimed she was a psychic. As the tour began and they entered the first room, the psychic confirmed what a previous psychic had stated, which was that there were many spirits in the cave and not just the bell witch. As the tour continued, the whole group heard what sounded like a raspy breath coming from deeper in the cave. Eventually it got louder until it sounded like someone was gasping for air. Chris froze. But the psychic then said, quote, go ahead, they won't hurt you, end quote, before taking the lead in the group. As they entered the back room, the sound stopped and everyone froze. Just then, almost as if on cue, the entire group turned around and bolted for the cave entrance. What they had seen was enough to send them all fleeing the cave, screaming and asking each other if they had seen it too. Some of them described it as a large white haze floating across the ceiling, while others described it as appearing like a woman in a white gown. 
Whatever it was, this was only the first tour of the cave, and the first of many strange occurrences to come. And that is the haunting of the Bell Witch and the Bell Witch Cave. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I really loved researching it. I thought it was really cool. I gave myself chills a few times. Um, There's lots of, like I said, TV shows about it. If you're curious about the actual investigations. Um, And that's about it. That's all I got. The sources for today's episode will be listed in the show notes and also on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts with new episodes dropping every Monday and Thursday. For exclusive content and access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, please join us over on Patreon. If you enjoyed the cruise ship disappearances episode, part one, part two is available now only on Patreon at the $1 per month level on up. If you join at the $5 per month level, you'll have access to an upcoming episode one week early, and you'll get an exclusive The Haunted Corner sticker after donating for three months plus a lot more. And it's a great way to support the show. I'm an individual podcast, so anything helps. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to tell a friend. If you have a case suggestion or a correction to share, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it to the website. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next week. Bye.